Welcome back to season two of Driving Performance. My name is Tom Shea. I'm the co-founder of Agile Media Group. Really excited to be joined by my friend Brian Fulmer here. Uh, Brian Fulmer is the founder of First Look and DistroBox. First Look is Shark Tank in a Box. We'll talk about DistroBox. Uh, brands that have been through the First Look system include New School, Source, Cadence, Belly, I didn't know you were Cadence, Belly Welly, Mosh, many more. Um, you're an investor in a number of brands. You're an advisor to many VC funds and accelerator programs. And um, welcome to Driving Performance. Glad to be here. It's yeah. great. Um, so last Expo East, is, is this your first Expo East? First time, last time? Second one. Second one? Like two years ago. Okay. So. Any core memories from Expo East as we send it off into the distance this year? I don't have as many samples as I did last time. That's but true. But I haven't been as aggressive. I like over eight last time. It yeah. was a lot. Last year I had the Yumi bag and like brought a whole separate suitcase for my fiance. And uh, yeah. she's going to be pretty pissed if I don't come back with that again this well, year. My wife, uh, she's uh, the CTO at First Look, Chief Testing Officer. Okay, right. As, All, as yeah. one does. Yeah. She gets, so she wanted me to get samples. Did I she have to good. apply for that? No, she, she knew the right people and just kind of got in. <laughs> right. So. Nepotism, that yeah, makes sense. Exactly. All right, well, let me quickly outline how this is going to play out. Um, as we're in a truck, there are a few stops along our route. First stop is going to be origin story, founder stories, um, all of the like inflection points and important moments and experiences that got you to where you are today. Yeah. Then we will dive deep on First Look and Distro Box, which I'm excited to chat about. And then we'll wrap with a game we call the Hot Box, which is a rapid fire, this or that question style game modeled off uh, the hot seat. So ready awesome. to dive in? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so where do you want to start? You want to start like Abercrombie and Fitch days or uh, <laughs> before then? Let's hear it. I mean, I was, so I was at ANF and then I moved uh, over to Victoria's Secret International. Is this post-grad? Yeah, this is after, uh, school after college. And uh, VS International is what got me out to New York City. And uh, from there, I started working at uh, XRC Labs, okay. which now they're called XRC Ventures. And they're an accelerator that invests in uh, retail tech, consumer brands, and like marketplaces. And while I was there, I noticed we'd always get samples from these brands that we weren't even talking to. Right. This was like pre-COVID when we still worked in an office. Right. And, uh, I figured, all right, if they're sending us products, and we're just an accelerator, we're not even a straightforward VC firm. Right. They got to be sending products like everyone else and their mother out there. And then it kind of just hit me one day. Uh, I, was, I actually remember the exact spot. I was bike riding in Battery Park, and it just hit me. I was like, there should be a box that curates the best of the best brands each month and turns that one-to-one -one grind of you know trying to find investors and then individually shipping them samples into a one-to-many type situation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, couldn't stop thinking about it. And then finally, in the fall of 2019, just started going full time on it. And then uh, launched officially in June of 2020. So we set our first boxes up. Okay. Cool. But the interesting thing was so I was building our site, you know, over winter. It was Tuesday, March 10th. I like did my LinkedIn post. Like, hey, everybody, come, like, come check out you know, my new company I'm launching. That Thursday, March 12th was when COVID hit New York. Yeah, of course. And it was like pandemic. That's been the theme of this season. I mean, yeah. we started right at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Or right at the beginning of COVID. I'm like, are you like, are you kidding me? Like, as <laughs> soon as I launched my new company, a global pandemic. Yeah, what are the odds? Oddly though, and I'll never be, I'll never say I was happy COVID happened. 
Yeah. Oddly, though, it ended up being a blessing in disguise because uh, all those, you know, network events after after work, you know, where investors and founders bump into each other, totally. stopped happening. Right. And First Look ended up becoming a great bridge for that gap and making those connections. Yeah. And so I think that was oddly a catalyst for how we got off the ground was yeah. a pandemic. Yeah. So we'll dive deep on First Look. So backing up to sort of the formidable life experiences. Um, did you always know you wanted to be in the consumer space? I mean, you have generally, I guess, always been in the consumer space. Um, so how how did you think about just like your career post-grad? So I actually went to law school after I graduated college. I didn't know that. Well, it's because I dropped out to start my first company. <laughs> uh, I took it off my LinkedIn. Uh, but while I was uh, between first and second year of law school, I was interning at a startup accelerator in Cleveland. It okay. was a technology startup accelerator. Kind of like technology across the board. Right. And I was like, this is the greatest place on earth. Like all these founders were coming through, investors. I hear all these great conversations. Infectious energy. And then I had been working on an idea while I was in law school and submitted it like to the program and got in. So I went from uh, employee to founder in that fall cohort and essentially dropped out of law school to do it. Uh, didn't work out. I uh, didn't have the traction to keep going, so I had to shut it down. But that's where I got my first taste of like startup world and you know being your own boss and right. building something from scratch. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so uh, I jumped into corporate just for the sake of getting experience and not falling too far behind, you know, the rat race of life. Yeah. But I always knew. Got to make money at some point. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I always knew I wanted to get back to the startup world and like build something of my own. Uh, it's just, I don't know, something I've always thought like, Wait, you can just do whatever you want in life, right. like build whatever you want. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. Do that. It's cool you got that experience because I think a lot of people just don't realize that's an option. And like we're just so hyper optimized, so like, all right, what's next? What's next? What's the path to success? And uh yeah. you know, it's not something people really teach, at least in the academia sense. Um, what was the company you started right at first during that accelerator? It's called Backer Bar. Backer Bar? Backerbar.com. All right. It was a what was it? I'm going to use fancy words to make it sound cool, but it was, it was a platform that connected uh, sports bars that support a certain team. So if okay. you, go to, you, know, you go to Chicago, right, right. you can find a New York Jets bar. Exactly. You can find you know, a Yankees Tourist bar. subjects, but... Yeah, exactly. Hey, we just lost Chubb, so... Dude, tough. I know. Tough. Brutal. Cleveland was show for next Yeah, morning. that's tough. Uh, but you know, there's all these uh, sports bars that support certain teams around the U.S., and we basically have a website where if you're a transplant or, you know, visiting another city, you can find that bar that your team, you know, your, wherever you're, you support. Uh, and then we connect the, you know, the alumni and the fan groups of those cities. Okay. And then the bar owners themselves could like post their specials and kind of talk about, you know, their right. bar. Speak and, to their community. Yeah. Unfortunately, this was like 2012 before it was easy to make websites. And, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, we just couldn't get enough traction or get it far enough to like keep going, which I still think it's a great idea. And no one is yeah. yet to up for grabs. Yeah, <laughs> no one solved it yet. So, uh, but yeah, so especially the Cleveland Browns have a huge backer bar network. Yeah, which is kind of part of the inspiration why I started. Cool. So. And then, um, so fast forward a little bit, you go to corporate America. Um, when did First Look really become like your life? Like, was this something you were building on the side uh, alongside your day job and nights and weekends for a while? Or how did that play out? Yeah. Uh, so when I was working at XRC Labs, uh, 
basically was working on first look at nighttime. And I remember the one time I embarrassingly left a first look name tag on my desk. And my boss comes in, she's like, oh, what's first look? Like thinking, you know, it should say XRC Labs on it. Right, right, right. And I had to like explain, like, oh, you know, it's just like a little thing. I'm just like testing out on the side or whatever. Uh, but I basically did it in parallel. And then, yeah, finally, uh, yeah, fall-ish, like October of 2019, just like, all right, I'm done with the accelerator. Like, let's just give this first look a try. All right, cool. So, nice. All right, yeah. so let's uh, stop too. Let's talk about first look and DistroBox. So, Let's start with first look. Um, let's hear it. Describe first look in your own words. Short answer is we're Shark Tank in a box. Long answer is uh, each month I take about six or seven brands, pop their samples in a box. One of these? Them. Yeah. One of these? Uh, and send out to a bunch of early stage investors. They get to try everything out. I create data rooms for the brands so they can learn about them and their story and go through their pitch deck, most importantly. Right. And then afterwards, the investors fill out a short form and for the most part, just picking the brands they want to connect with. Once I get those results, I loop them in an email together and let them take it away. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, been, it's so cool, all of the brands you've worked with, because a lot of them are now doing so well. Um, 260 brands. 260. It's, so I, to, yeah, let's unpack the model a little bit. So the box is, is this on a monthly cadence? Yep. Usually ship out around the 25th of each month. Okay. And what's the application process like? Like and you know how many applicants are you getting how are you thinking about curation so let's let's unpack a little bit so brands either apply on the website or i'll just get intros through emails a lot of the founders have gone through first look uh, are great and they help out a lot of intros i think they had a good experience and now they want right. to share it with their other founder friends and i'll jump on a call with all these brands each one to kind of figure out who i think it's on six or seven are from an investing standpoint and uh usually about two, three weeks before I send out the final invites, brands send me the samples. I pack all the boxes in my parents' garage. And then, uh, yeah, check them out. Usually around 25th, and it arrives at everybody's house by the first. So, nice. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of brands that apply on the website. Uh, a lot of intros, too. Yeah. Which I know, uh, you know, some people get frustrated that DC is this, like, insider game of making intros. I didn't make the rules, but sadly, it does play a large role in uh, how, I guess, how well people do. So you have to put yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's sort of like uh, how bad do you want it? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you know, uh, if you, you can find your way, it's a pretty approachable industry. I feel like no yeah. one's trying to box people out. It's more, uh, do you want it bad enough that you want to invest in trying to get the attention? Yeah. Uh, well, it's just interesting because I get a lot of brands, like founders, will intro brands to first look. And uh, I try to be fair as possible as far as not per se give them priority versus a brand just applies to the website. Right. Because I review, you know, everything across the board. So, right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a rinse and repeat every month. Yeah. Uh, but it's great because I get to talk to so many founders. You know, yeah, it's awesome. Things. I love it. Yeah. You're in the same boat. Yeah. You talk to all these founders. It's doing great. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, so it's an interesting business because there's like a, it's, there's a network effects like chicken or egg dilemma. So how did you think about scaling both sides? I think now it's probably gotten easier and it continues to get easier because there's a track record. There's so many alumni that have gone on to do great things. But how did you think about it at like ground zero? Well, the way I hacked it was I just reached out to brands and posted photos on our Instagram 
just to make it look just to make it look like we were working with brands right. to grab their attention. And uh, luckily, because I was working in the VCE space or the accelerator, I knew enough brands that I could get in the box. I knew about ten investors that I was able to get signed up for the first box. And so yeah, it was six brands, which. Uh, Looking back on it, it's kind of wild. Uh, Pure Hydration was in our very first box. Yeah, it's uh, wild. Moment, which is like a drink or meditation. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Source. Yeah. Wasn't the very first. The first one? Yeah. No I way. Had, the I one that just launched in Sephora? I, yeah, I had two hits in my very first box. Like, they they landed investor checks. Damn. And I'm like, wow, this works. Or it seems to be working at least right. off this first box. But then after that, just kind of, you know, all of a sudden now we have 11 and then 12 investors and right. 13 investors. And so you know, it was just 10 on like the... Just 10 out, you know? Wow. Nice. So now we're at 45. Uh, nice. 50. Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, so I want to talk about two sides. Um, what brands are right for first look? So there seems to be a consumer focus, but I've also seen some like, I don't know, I don't want to call it fr fringe consumer. Um, what sort of like maturity is a brand typically at? Is it like pre-retail, post-retail? Is there like re strict revenue thresholds? Are there some that just can't, you know, like cold storage is pretty hard to pull off. So how do you think about the different, um, I don't know, varietals of what is the umbrella of consumer? So I never try to have two brands that would consider each other competitors in the box. Okay. And the box is, you know, it's all categories, food, bev, uh, beauty, wellness, home goods, pets, and even. Uh, I would say about 50% of the brands are like seed stage, 25% are pre-seed, and then 25% are like series A. Okay. Uh, there's no threshold in terms of like revenue requirements. I mean, the baseline is you have to have at least about 50 samples you can send. Right. And if you have a cool story, and even if you're pre-launch, like, hey, we've all seen brands get funded with you know, pre-launch. Right. It happens. Uh, but I do try to find brands that, yeah, have some traction that investors can get behind. And I personally like it when brands are going after either like a white space in the market, something that's like relatively like novel. Yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of like Me Too brands, which that's a tough sell right. to investors. So I do try to find some novel things, uh, whether it's you know what they're building or the audience they're going after. Uh, Otherwise, in, I do try and once in a while they have like a B two B company in there. Okay. Uh, I had Deliver Zero. Okay. Which has like these containers yeah, yeah. that Uber uses in New York. Uh, I actually have a uh, e commerce website that is going in the boxes right now or this coming month. Where yeah, it's an e commerce website, but they have their own subscription boxes of products, and so we're putting that box inside my box, <laughs> which is different, but. You know, you got test and learn. Yeah, totally. Uh, why not? So as long as it's a physical product, whether you're B two B or you know B two C company, yeah, it's good enough for and, and what's the experience like as a brand? So it sounds, and I'm sure this was an evolution, but now you're sort of setting them up. Like, here's what investors expect almost. Like you're doing some level of education. Like this is what you sort of need to be able to raise successfully. Give me the data room. Give me some metrics, things like that. So. What is the experience like? Obviously, brand starts by applying. Sounds like there's some um, post app, post acceptance elements. Then are they like accompanying things in the box with like a story? Like so, what's what's the experience A to Z for the brand? So give them the green light to jump in, send me the samples, and then 
between when the boxes go out and when I send the invite, I'll sit down with each of them and do a whole pitch deck review. Okay. Which I teach classes on pitch decks at Techstars. I try to instill everything there with the brands. Because I want them to do well. Right. And I'll go slide by slide with them and essentially give them my thoughts, like what I'm seeing. Uh, here's questions that you should probably be prepared for based on what you have on the slide. And then I'll also tell them, like, here's the tough points that are going to, like, investors will probably get hung up on. Uh, and some things it's, you know, just, like, your valuation is just too high. Right. Or it, it's high in, you know, just, I always sell these for brands that have high valuations. Like, like there's a sucker around every corner. Right. And you may be able to close your round at this valuation, but a lot of the first look investors, CPG is the number one focus. They bring a lot of value add, and they're, they're smart investors, so they might not bite on this. Just letting you know. Right. Try to be as transparent as possible. Yeah. I mean, there's information uh, asymmetry. You know, you have more at-bats or more visibility into a lot of the categories and like what's working and what's not than well, the founder right, themselves. I sit right in the middle of the table, right between the founders and investors. And sometimes I jump on one side or the other. Uh, but yeah, so we do pitch deck review and then the boxes go out. Uh, I create a brand page, like a data room essentially for the, for the brands. So the investors kind of jump in and Right. Look through everything and then, uh, yeah, and then, you know, fill in the form and make the connections and that's that. So. Nice. And then on the flip side, let's talk about the investor experience. So, who is right for subscribing to a first look box? Is it something you try to be very intentional and curate, or is it like, you know, Tom Shea can um, subscribe to first look? Uh, Sorry, but you probably could not. Maybe, I don't know, like I said, you're right and picking up checks. I'm broke. The minimum kind of threshold I hold with them uh, is you're writing at least three checks a year for a minimum of 25K. Got it. If you're not at least deploying 50 to 75K a year, first looks probably not a fit for you. Um, Which, don't get me wrong, like, bless anyone's heart for wanting to write a check into a risky startup. Yeah. But that's kind of the threshold because I don't want to waste the founder's time, and you know I want to meet investors that right significant. Obviously, the VCs, the family offices can write checks into the millions. Uh, but as far as the angels who get the box go, that's kind of the threshold. Yeah, got it. Uh, what are some of the favorite stories or outcomes? Just like a, a sampling of experiences you've had with brands that have gone through it. Now there's a there's a Tim uh, Tebow one in there. Yeah, Tim Tebow was uh, a fun one. Yeah, we send boxes to Endeavor's venture arm. Oh, Sharif or Alex? Uh, is he Noah and Colby and then uh, okay. Vince, but he just left. Got it. And, Good uh, people. Yeah. And, or not, not Noah. Did I say Noah? I mean Joel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they connect. They, yeah, they love getting the brands. And then uh, they like New School. And they knew Tim Tebow was looking for a brand to get behind that was you know, aligned with what he uh, brings to the table and they move them together and all of a sudden it's like Tim Tebow's now joining a new school and writing a check and I was like this is awesome. That's sick. So uh, that was a good uh, win. I just had a brand uh, called Sochi. Okay. Actually, it's like a uh, mascara and lipstick company that has these like refill like uh, sustainable refillable inserts. Okay. For, like I don't know lipstick tubes I guess. Yeah. 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 Explain it well but I looped them in with Bold Ventures, which is L'Oreal's venture arm. Okay. And they didn't invest, but they did invite one of the founders to speak at L'Oreal's, L'Oreal's Global Summit 
oh, in sick. Paris. Yeah, great exposure. On, on the sustainability like segment of their, on their stage, I guess. And yeah, like she emailed me. She's like, you're not going to believe this. I got invited because of your intro. I got invited to fly out to Paris and speak on this you know, stage in front of all these people. Right. And she's like, thank you. Like this was awesome. Yeah. So that was like a recent one. Uh, that was fun. Yeah. Well, I still a lot of, a lot of checks, I think, uh, are always great as far as just funding for brands. Right. Um, we have one brand. I don't know if, I can, if the details are totally finalized yet, but I'm pretty sure Kyle Kuzma. We can we can post produce edit if yeah. we need to. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is. I don't the I don't know if the contract or the ink has dried yet, but Kyle Kuzma is investing in a brand that would be first look. Nice. And he's gonna you know join the brand and be a part of it. And, oh, awesome. Was that through Endeavor? No, that was just, I sent a box to his agent. He's actually okay. one of my best friends. Awesome. Uh, Austin Eastman. He's great. Shout out, Austin. So, yeah, Austin Eastman, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> cool. so yeah, there's a lot of fun stories, but uh, obviously the goal is always to have a brand land an investor check. Totally. A lot of other great things coming. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's, uh, there's no there's no situation where people are like, fuck Brian, you know, like it's all upside. It's all like, you know, it's good for you. You put yourself in a position to um, be a giver as opposed to a taker, which I think is awesome. Looks like whenever people are talking, uh, I think my mind is just hardwired to like, oh, you should talk to someone or I need right. to connect you. It's, it's uh, I don't know, it just kind of comes naturally. So kind of nice to have first look where I just need connections all day. Yeah, awesome. Um, I know you're a humble guy, but Summary statistics on like first look, you know, check amounts, companies have gone through. You got, you got them off the top of your head? The issue I have with is, and that's 43 investments that I can definitively track. Right. There's a lot of times where, you know, it yeah. keeps going. Oh, let me introduce you to this yeah, person. One investor will make an intro to another investor. Yeah. And then At they write a attribution tricky. Yeah. And it's like a leaky <laughs> bucket, which, you know, that's the biggest problem yeah. I have now. It is what it is. So, uh, but yeah, that's the metrics about 8.8 million raised for brands, 43 investments. Um, and probably a lot of other cool things that I'm not even aware of that are happening. Yeah. It's awesome. Have you ever thought about like raising a fund or getting involved? Um, you know, because you're in sort of a you got a cool vantage point as to what's going on. You could probably uncover, you know, diamonds in the rough, which is part of the reason why people subscribe to First Look. But has that ever been an aspiration or something you've played around with? And I did start First Look Ventures already, which is our investor group. We're a pull together SPB. Okay. Um, the challenge with that right now is a lot of the investors I know are professional investors. Like they right. look at decks all day. So they're very, they have a high bar. And a lot of the other syndicate groups or investor groups out there, the ones that do well, it's more so just wealthy people trusting in, you know, a, a manager or two to say, this is a good deal. Right. And they're like, okay, great. Here's 50K or here's 100K. I have the challenge. Yeah. People are very sophisticated when it comes to investing. So, uh, but yeah, I'd love to start a fund one day. My thesis is uh, you know, sometimes the consumer exits aren't, aren't as big as we want them to be. And as you know, with the you know, how the VC power law works, one winner is going to cover all your losers. Right. 
So I think what's going to happen over time, uh, or at least it's going to happen more going forward, is when you look at the buckets that LPs care about, they're investing in a new fund manager. You know, first one is uh, what's your deal flow to access look like? What's right. your track record? And then what's your value add? Value add is traditionally always taking a back seat to the first, but I think going forward, there's going to be a bigger onus on fund managers to ensure that not only do you have less losers, but you have, you know, you give uh, your investments a better chance of winning. And you're seeing it right now where there's very interesting people showing up to the space, bringing value adds that are much different than things we've seen over the last decade or two. Right. And so my theory is, or at least my, I hope, is that with first look continuing to hopefully do well, and then DistroBox becoming a bigger player, my value add will be any brand I invest in, I can help them raise quicker and get on shelves and you know, yeah. get on these you know, distributor radars uh, while they get sales quicker. Cool. And actually significantly move the needle for a brand, right. ensuring I have less losers and my winners get to be, or become winners quicker. Totally, totally. So, all right, perfect segue into Dishrobox. So Dishrobox new to me. I'm excited to learn more. So much like we started this conversation at the top, how would you describe Dishrobox? Very similar to First Look. Uh, you essentially prep brands and understand you know, what their distribution strategy is, help them uh, design their decks and put themselves in a position where they're able to have efficient conversations with distributors. Uh, so once they're all prepped and ready, we'll put their samples in a box and send those out to independent distributors like DSD okay. like, uh, shops. And they try everything out. Similar to first look, we create a data room for the distributors. They let us know they want to connect with. And then we just move everybody together. And um, you know, the goal is the brands are ready to hit the ground running right. with these DSDs because a lot of them typically show up very unprepared for what the questions they're going to have to right. face. And distributors hate it because yeah, what, what should only take one meeting takes six meetings. Right. But so I was going to go with the lightest weight option if, if they have to choose. Yeah. So uh, making sure the brands are ready to have efficient conversations with distributors. And then distributors, everyone always thinks it's tough to get in front of VCs. It is a hundred times more difficult to get in really? front of distributors. Well, VCs, it's their job to try to talk to every startup possible or right. you know, find the needle in the haystack. Shippers, 99% of their time is dedicated to just running the business. Right. Only 1% of their day is finding new brands. They're essentially like VCs in their own right, which is probably why the connection makes so much sense, right? Because yeah. they have to essentially look at all these opportunities and figure out like, all right, I'm like sort of betting on this to work. It's not proven right now. But they're much more conservative. Right. And they don't take as many bets on, you know, high flyers. It's more of like, does this work? There is the, are the sales numbers there or are they not? Uh, obviously, they have incentive where if a brand does do well and exit, they get a little, uh, little upside. Uh, yeah, from like a revenue standpoint. Right. But, uh, but yeah, Distrobox is relatively new. We've been working on it for about a year now. Okay. Uh, I started working closely with my buddy, uh, Chase Seplak. Okay. Yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I know. You know Chase? Yeah, I do oh, know Chase. He's a man. Yeah, he's a good guy. Well, when I moved back to Cleveland about a year and a half ago in April last year, I was, and he lives in Cleveland. Just started going over his house and having beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and all, you know, a few beers led to like 
we should just take the first look model but apply it to the distributor world. Right. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Love it. Um, so for folks who are interested in dish robots, completely separate from first look, right? There's not like yeah, you need to go separate. through first look or no, anything no, like that. Okay. And similar model though, like, you know, application process, data room, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, brand supply. Uh, what do you think distros are like looking for that VC, like the, the difference between what a VC is looking for versus what a distributor is looking for? Distributors really don't care I think, as much about the potential upside. Obviously, they want the brands to do well because they'll make more money of course. from sales. But they're they're more uh, they're more simple. They're, they're not they don't take in as many variables I think as VC considers. And it's really just is this going to move? Because I don't want it sitting in my warehouse. Right. It does. Right. So and they don't get caught up with you know who's buzzy on Twitter or right, right, right. they don't care about the if it was up to pretty them, objective. They, yeah, if up to them they would just do energy drinks and water. Right. Like all, you know, all these these blue seltzers or anything, which I think are still gonna be a good story, but they don't get caught up in the the what you kinda hear in the VC totally. uh VC bubble, I should say. Yeah. So and and how as you're prepping these brands, how do you it's hard to know if something's gonna move, right? So like what as a brand, how do you best position yourself to tell the right story? Like, what are they relying on? Is it like, okay, here's our success on D to C? Um, like, what are they trying to index on the distributors? All they care about is your chain authorizations. What is it? Chain, chain authorizations? Yeah. So, and so unpack that for people, if that's jargon for people. So it, it's kind of a chicken and the egg issue for brands. Uh, say you want to, you know, expand into Florida. You want to be in Publix. Right. Publix is in some cases going to ask you, well, who are the distributors that are carrying you that our public stores are in? On the other side, distributors are asking you, well, which chain stores are you in that we distribute to? Right. So you have to figure out how to win over one or the other first. And obviously working with the big broad line accounts like Unify and Kagi help with that. But to, I think, build a truly large uh, beverage business, for example, you eventually have to go down to that street level DSD network. Right. You have to leave the broadliner accounts, the Unifies and KEs, uh, which if you look at all the companies that have had exits over the last years, like Celsius or whoever, they all have really strong DSD networks. Right. And eventually you have to leave the uh, broadline accounts and work with the small DSD shops. Yeah. But it's a chicken and egg and uh, we're going to try to solve for that if we can. Yeah, I love it. Is there going to be a co- Pack look box at some point where people can find co-packers. <laughs> I I actually am working on a, another uh, got another box. Uh, yeah. Oh, I, dude, you, should, is, you gotta with, like gotta like create an umbrella like box group. <laughs> well, it's with uh, my buddy Austin, and we're essentially going to start sending brands to NBA players. Okay. Nice. Because a lot of these NBA guys, they want to get in with brands. Yeah, look like barcode and. Best story and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. They like, and the the NBA guys want to invest, but they don't know where to find good brands. Yes, Stephen Curry and Durant have great deals. Of course, but, but they got a whole they, practice working yeah, on it. But the, that's the top one or two percent. There's the other ninety eight percent of NBA players who don't have that level of right. uh, access or deal flow. And grant, you know, and they also just don't know what is what is a good brand and what's not. Also, if you look at wealth creation, I mean, a lot of the people we look at 
look up to from the sports community that have made like you know truly life changing generational wealth has come from brand deals. Yeah, hundred percent. Shaquille O'Neal's the man. Yeah, he's he's, he's got so many he's stories. DJing now. Oh, we man. saw we saw he spoke at uh, Uncharted in the Hampton. Shout out Noah. Um, and people, someone asked like, well, why do you like DJ? You know, it's like, what's his name? I forget his DJ name. Um, Diesel. Diesel, DJ Diesel. Yeah. And he's like, you know why I like DJing? There's, there's no other feeling like a game seven in the playoffs, except when you're on stage and there's a bunch of people going nuts in the audience. And that's why I like DJing. I was like, all right, that's it. That checks out for me. He's, <laughs> he's literally done everything. Yeah. He's been, so a, cool. he's been a pro athlete. He's been an actor. He's, been, he's a doctor, he's uh, an investor, and now he's a DJ. Like, he's lived out every single man's yeah. dreams, and he's done all five. That's epic. There's nothing left. <laughs> There's nothing left. All right. Well, uh, stop three, a game yep. we like to call the hot box. You ready for it? I'm ready. All righty. Let's start it. Cold plunge or hot tub? Hot tub. Beach house or ski house? Ski house. All right. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. D2C or DTC? TC. Neat or messy? Neat. Corgi or golden retriever? Golden. Winter or summer? Summer. Tennis or golf? Golf. Pineapple pizza or candy corn? Neither. You got to pick one. Candy corn. All right. Spooky season around the corner. Uh, live music or DJ? Are the same thing? No, live music or DJ? Like a DJ set? I, like a... I, all right, I guess live. Uh, I guess you, live I get music. what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the, I like to think they're doing more than just hitting press and play. Yeah. You're right. All right, live music. All right. Sweet snacks or salty snacks? Salty. All right, now you know how to win them over. <laughs> First look, applicants. Call or text? Text. Reading or writing? Reading. Work remote or work on site? On site. Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, or TikTok? Instagram. Dancing or people watching? People watching. Cocktails or beers? Beer. Give up bread for life or give up cheese for life? Wow, conviction on that one. Board games or video games? Video games. $50 on red or black? Black. Start early or leave late? Leave late. Fiction or nonfiction? Uh, nonfiction. Playlists or podcasts? Podcasts. Speak to 10 animals or speak 10 languages? 10 languages. Ten languages. That one's consistently got people thinking. <clears throat> Telepathy or teleportation? Teleportation. Trucks or billboards? Trucks. Come on. Good news or bad news first? Uh, bad news first. All right, bad news is we are at our final stop of the podcast. So I want to thank you, Brian. Thanks, man. This was a lot of fun. I wanted to give you a chance to let people know where they can Connect, learn more about yourself, uh, learn more about First Look, Dish Shrubbox. So, plug yourself. Uh, Firstlook.vc is the website, distrobox.co, uh, Distrobox's website, and Homer Fulmer on Twitter, 
There I'm we go. Homer on Instagram. That's pretty much all. I, I don't do TikTok, so Alrighty. I'll, I'll hang out. So. All right, that's it. That's a wrap. Cool. Appreciate it, brother. It's great. Yeah, great job. Crushed. Good job. That was awesome.